Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sane, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the Brunch and Slay podcast. I am so excited this week, which I guess you guys hear me say that every week because I am. But this week is really cool because I have another innovative game changer uh, for your listening pleasure. I have the founder and CEO of Cathedral Capital, who is also a Texas woman and a Arthur, uh, Miss Brooke Lively. Hey, Brooke. Hey, how are you? I am doing pretty good. I'm I'm very happy that we are able to chat today and that we get to tell everybody everything about what you're doing and how you're killing it and how you have resources that we all will need soon, we hope. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so how are you doing today? I am great. I am back from vacation and so excited about starting the new year. Awesome sauce. So now you have a company that's truly innovative um it's something that it's one of those things like i always say that wow why didn't i think of that and i guess i didn't think of it because i didn't i don't have that skill (laughs) set but uh it's something that i think we need to know that is out there as our resource so tell us a little bit about cathedral capital and how that came to be so cathedral capital is an outsourced fractional cfo and people their eyes start to kind of glaze over when i say that and Here's who we are and what we do. We help small companies with revenues of half a million to 10 million become more profitable. And what we've found is, well, first of all, 95% of the U.S. economy is small companies. And if you have revenues of, let's say, $600,000 a year, you can't afford to have a $150,000 a year CFO giving you strategic financial advice and helping you make those decisions that really cause your company to grow and be profitable. So 90 or 95% of our economy is running without that strategic financial advice. So what we do is we take the cost and spread it between multiple companies so that you're not stuck with all of it yourself Um, and we do it virtually, which also helps keep the expense down. So basically we make a CFO accessible to the average U S company. Wow. So how did that idea come to you? Where did that come from? Actually, you know, I think like most companies, it was kind of an accident. Isn't that (laughs) how everybody starts? Um, uh, pretty much. <laughs> I was running a, a family-owned company, and I had hired a, um, a consultant, marketing consultant, and his client started coming to me and saying, can you do for us what you're doing for your family? And it was so funny because really I hadn't thought what I was doing was all that special. I mean, none of us do. When you find that thing that you're really good at, that's your passion, 
and that really matches with your natural skill set, you don't really value it a lot, which is so hard, especially women. And so I'm like, well, what do I do? But it was that whole CFO thing. It was that profitability. It was, we need to raise prices and doing the math to say, we can lose 27% of our client base, make the same amount of money and, and free up 27% of our time. Like, how is that not a win? Mm-hmm. And realistically, you raise your prices and you lose maybe 5% of your client base. Um, like we can make more money doing less work. So it was that kind of analysis that I didn't think was all that special. What do you mean? Does everybody not do that? <laughs> <laughs> so what is your background? Um, my background, well, like, well, so I read this article one time, and this was a long time ago. Um, I went to all girls schools for high school and college. And so my, my high school would send all this data periodically. And one of them was the average woman has seven careers, not seven jobs, not seven companies, but seven separate career paths. And um, so my first one was retail and I did that for a while. And then, oh yes, I am known as the woman who was the personal assistant to Ethel Kennedy. Oh, wow. So I was a personal assistant for a while, which taught me like great juggling skills. And um, then I went back to grad school and it was later in life. And I've got an MBA with a double concentration in corporate finance and investments. So basically I'm a numbers girl. And then uh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I you know, so. I am. <laughs> it was so funny when I went back to grad school, I did all this testing that said, you know, what should you do? And it said, you should be an accountant. And I'm like, I am entirely too much fun to be an accountant. <laughs> um, but I worked for a hedge fund for a while where I really analyzed what happens in a company that makes them profitable and makes them a good risk. And um, worked for a big multinational company in their, their corporate division, their corporate finance. And then I went to work for my family. And when these other clients started coming to me and saying, can you do for us what you are doing for your family? I was like, you know what? Yes, in fact, I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And you know, you don't, I, well, I'm sure there's tons of women out there and I'm sure now that the door is open, I will meet many more. But finding women who are in the space of numbers and math and who take it on and really explain it and break it down for us common folk <laughs> is, is a rarity. <laughs> and I love that you've created a space um, for that. And you are not only created one, but you're thriving in it. And you have something that all of us pray that we get to the point to where we're, we're able to knock on your door. So when should someone like me start seeking services from cathedral? Like when, what, what path should I be on? Like, give me a couple of pointers. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting. We used to say we only worked and I, I said it when you and I started talking companies with revenues of half a million to 10 million. But what we found was that there are a lot of smaller companies that would come to us that needed some help that can't afford to have us on an ongoing basis. And so for the past about six months, we have really been working to develop one-off products 
that smaller companies can do. So we've worked with companies with revenues as small as like seventy-five or a hundred thousand dollars, and you know we will we do things like in December we were really helping people with profit plans. We don't believe in budgets. Budgets are all restrictive, but man, who wants like who doesn't want a profit plan? Right. It <laughs> helps you yeah. be profitable. So we do things like profit plans. Um, we have what are called vision plan weekends, where we really sit down and we figure out what it is that you want for your company and how much revenue you need to support your life, whatever that life is. And then we back it up into your company and we get really granular down to you need to have this many, your phone needs to ring this many times a month so that you can have this number of sales calls so that you can get this number of clients to support everything. And when you have that, how many people you'll need working for you, how many square feet of an office you'll need. Um, So those are really fun because once it it gives you a plan, it gives you an operating plan. Mm -hmm that's very much in line with your vision of what you want for your company and yourself. Because we're not just about the numbers. We want to help you create a company that works for the lifestyle you want to live. Right. And so, you know, gaining the help from you guys basically gives you that next level blueprint. And we talk to so many people who are uh, either coaches or guiding folks or folks who are just kind of trying to figure it out. And I know that's a huge part of when you first decide, no matter if it's a side hustle or full blown entrepreneurship and you want to do your own thing, everybody needs guidance and everybody needs counsel. You know, we all have areas we're great in, like you are a numbers lady. You just so happen to be a numbers lady who's really great at planning as well. Um, but a lot of times we have are. our one, I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> That's what the numbers are. The numbers are your plan. Well, yeah, <laughs> see, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we have this one area that we think we excel in and, and we get kind of stuck in that area. And instead of seeking counsel and trying to figure out what the next step is, we get a little stuck. And I think it's important for us to know what our resources are uh, and where we can go to get those things when we get to that level. So now we should be planning those of us who aren't quite there yet. We should be planning to get to that next level. So we know what that next step is. And this doesn't mean you have to wait. Obviously you won't make it. If you wait until you're making 75,000 or a hundred thousand dollars a year, you won't make it. Uh, you have to start planning now, but I like that you talked about breaking it down to the smallest of scales from the beginning, because I'm a firm believer in that, you know, it's all about consistency. And when you know you need a, a X amount of calls to get to this, you know how to go get them. You know, it's just, a, right. it's just a map. Um, and I think a lot of times when p- people first start out, we always say jump. Yes, we mean jump because you're going to have to go for it, period. But don't jump without a plan. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's, there's some parts of the plan that are going to be a little hazy that you're going to figure out as you go. But, yeah, you need, you need a basic plan. Yeah. So <laughs> we hope so as a small business, I know that there's a tons of things and I definitely don't want to take away from what you guys do on your weekends and what you're doing uh, for the other smaller businesses. But what are some more things like maybe a couple other things that we should be doing right now to gear up toward gaining and truly making substantial profits? Um, well, what are a couple of things. So I think the first thing is 
you need to have some kind of accounting software. I don't care if it's QuickBooks or Xero or any of the others, they will all do the same thing, um, but you need to track your numbers. You need to have your financials in some kind of bookkeeping software and then you need to print your financials every month and review them. Look at your profit and loss statement. Have a profit plan otherwise known as a budget, <laughs> and compare what you did last, last month to your budget. Were you over, were you under? Why were you over, why were you under? Was being over good or was being over bad? You know, there's certain places where I do the dance of joy when my clients are over budget. So for instance, credit card fees. I love it when they spend more on credit card fees because it means that they have collected more money than we anticipated, so they've had more revenue, and it probably means that they have collected it faster than if they waited for clients to pay them by check. So hmm. I'm happy about that. Okay. Um, was your revenue up or down? If your revenue was up, why was it up? Let's figure that out so you can repeat it next month and every month thereafter. Um, so really looking at at your financial statements. Um, have a cash flow forecast. Cash is the biggest problem that small companies encounter. Do we have enough cash? Are we gonna run out? I think you should always be looking six to, you know, we've got clients that look 12 weeks out, mm -hmm. which means that if you're running into a cash crunch in nine weeks, you've got time to figure out how to do it. What, do you, what are we going to do? What bills are we going to move around? What extra product are we going to sell? How are we going to get it done? So it's really looking at your basic financial reports. You need to look at your profit and loss statement. You need to look at your budget versus actual report every month. You need to be looking at your cash flow forecast every week. You need to be looking at your accounts receivable every week. And um, I really do like people to look at their, their balance sheet once a month. Mm -hmm. And that's great advice. And there's some really cool user-friendly accounting softwares out there. And I know Brooke mentioned a few, and I'll definitely put them in the show notes. A lot of times I think, and, you're, and it's so funny you say that because I, you know, I'm a podcast junkie and I've been listening to a few business podcasts lately and that's the one thing I keep hearing over and over about a lot of small businesses avoiding looking at the numbers or avoiding using a software. Sometimes, just like with anything else, you know, you put all this energy into making vision boards and to making affirmations, but if you don't see those numbers in front of you every day, how do you keep yourself, hold yourself accountable and make yeah. sure that you don't deviate too far from the goal? Um, it, it makes perfect sense. And a lot of us as just people tend to avoid numbers, period. <laughs> and we need to love our numbers. <laughs> love your numbers. You know, it's so funny. I've got, you know, I'll talk to potential clients and they won't want to look at their numbers. They're like, well, I know I should, but I'm scared. Well, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, you've got a two-year-old, you know this. They wake up in the middle of the night scared to death of the monster in their closet. Mm-hmm. And they sit there petrified, waiting for some outside force to come intervene. 
generally that's you. Mm-hmm. And you're a friendly outside force. And you come in and you turn on the light and you're like, it's not a monster. It's your teddy bear with a shadow. Like, that's all it is. That's what people do with their numbers. They won't look at them. And at which point they get bigger and badder and scarier. Mm-hmm. And if they would just turn on the light and take a look at them, they're always so much better than people think they are. And if they're not, at least now you know and you can do something about it before it gets to a, to a crisis level. Yes. Okay, because so... Let me tell you, the intervening force as an adult in your business is not your mom coming in and telling you it's all going to be okay. It's the bank. (laughs) It's the IRS. It's your accountant. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to agree with you on that. They're they're not quite the friendly forces that you get when you're two. Well, yeah. And uh, and Uncle Sam always wants his money. So let's not pretend that he's going to disappear. So it's better to know what we're dealing with. always gets his money. Mm Mm-hmm. So since you started Cathedral, I'm sure you've had lots of hurdles and hiccups. What has been something that's been like the most surprising fact about being your own boss and, and, and being an employer that really has affected you and, and helped you pivot to for the better? Wow. Um, I think it is really believing in yourself, valuing what you do, which I talked about a little earlier. Just because it's easy for you doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. But also just believing in yourself and what you can do. Um, about two years ago, my uh, contract with my biggest client was ending and he came to me and he wanted me to come in house for him. Absolutely the right decision for him. Not the right decision for me or my people. And I wrestled with it for a couple of months, and I said, um, no, thank you. At which point, he didn't want to renew the contract, which, as I said, he needed to bring it in-house. That was the right thing for his business. So there I was with um, three full-time employees plus myself, and I had um, $18,000 a year in revenue. And that was scary. And I had a few months to like get some stuff together. And I, you know, saved every penny because I knew there were going to be some lean times when that client left. But, oh my gosh, so empowering. I went out and I rebuilt my business. And I am now bringing in more revenue than I was when I told him I wasn't going to renew the contract. Wow. So literally, and that's, that's so cool because a lot of times we may have the rug pulled off front on us and we think that it's the end. Oh my gosh. But because you had your plan and you knew what you needed and you knew your projections for the next few weeks and the next few months, you were able to find a space and look at everything and see where you can benefit and where you could grow your business and what areas you could lean in on a little bit more closely and where you could cut back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. And it was fabulous. And and, and I got to tell you, my people are so happy. And my clients are happy because we're happy. Because we actually, I had the fortitude, despite all the advice I was getting, to know that that was the right thing for my company. 
and I just really believed in in what we could do. So now I know that you are also an author and you've written yep. a book called Six Key Numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about your book. So um, Six Key Numbers is a series of books. We have six key numbers every entrepreneur should know, six key numbers every psychologist should know. We're working on six key numbers every attorney should know. Um, it really goes into a little bit more depth about, you know, you asked what someone needed to do and what they need to do is look at their financial reports. And Six Key Numbers looks at the key financial reports, how often you should look at them, what it's telling you, and how to use them. So it's a user guide. It's really easy. Oh, that's really helpful too. And yeah. to have one in every industry. I'll definitely put that in the show notes, guys. Um, so as far as reading and obviously you're a writer, so you, I'm sure you definitely have some books that really have lit the fire in you. What's one of those books that you kind of turn to as far as for business? What's a great book for business that you've read? It doesn't matter when. Um, there are two that I talk about often. Um, the first one is Traction by Gino Wickman and in it, he outlines the entrepreneur operating system, EOS. And that is a great platform on which to run your company. And in fact, we implemented EOS in our company, I don't know, six, eight months ago. And it has made a huge difference. Um, we're much more efficient. We are much more productive since doing it. So I would absolutely say EOS is great. Um, so it's Traction by Gina Wickman. The other one I really like is, um, oh my gosh, how am I totally forgetting it? And I have loaned mine out. <laughs> I cannot believe this. It's because I, I put you it. on the spot. That's you all. You put me on the spot. That's all it is. I can see it. <laughs> I know, like, oh my gosh. Oh, um, well, that, no, we can come back to it. Well, no, actually, oh. I can, I, you know, had a momentary brain whatever brain freeze um but it's called profit first by mike mccallowitz okay and what he does is he takes that basic um formula that math formula that makes your pnl your profit and loss work and it is um revenue minus expenses equals profit and he turns it on its head and says what it really should say is revenue minus profit equals expenses. <laughs> so we've taken that, we've really built on what he started and we have developed an entire program around it, but it's planning for profit. And this is how much profit you want. If you want 30% profit, that's great. Then you have 70% left to spend on your expenses. Figure it out. Um, and that is a great book, and I would suggest that everybody read it. I will definitely be picking them both up. And when you mentioned EOS, another question just popped in my head because I'm always intrigued by how successful women spend their day. Like, what does their routine look like? What's your routine like? How early are you up? I know you do a lot of traveling, and you definitely believe in your me time, which I love. Mm -hmm. uh, but how does your day start? How are you getting all this done? I, um, you know, I'm usually up at 
7. I'm on the phone most mornings by 7.30. Um, 7.30 to, or actually about 7 to 8.30 is the time that I talk to my friends. Because <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the time slot I have. Um, I'm in the office by 9. One of my big things is I, and for everyone in my company, we're very responsive on email. So there are never more than 50 emails in my inbox and every single one of them has been read. And that has to happen before I go home at the end of the day or I can't go home. Um, so, you know, I check email every couple of hours. I um, will plan when I'm doing client work and when I'm working on the company and then, you know, I go home depending upon how busy it is and when I have finished triaging my email, anywhere between, you know, 6.30 and 8.30. Wow. Okay. Now, you're the first woman who I've ever talked to who actually said that she carves out times to speak to her friends. I love mm -hmm. that. And it's, and it's not easy. And I like that you put that at the beginning of the day before you get all polluted with must-dos and emails to respond but it is hard and especially I find as an entrepreneur we get in this little bubble and we get in our head and we just want to you know we're working toward those profits like you said and it's really easy to put everybody who really matters to you on the back burner so I love that you're putting them in the forefront and you're making sure you make time I really do I also um, really protect my lunch time so I plan to have an hour and a half in the middle of the day where I go and eat lunch very often by myself with a book. So, you know, I'll, right now I'm reading The Widow Clicquot, which is so fascinating. It's about oh, the woman cool. who basically created Veuve Clicquot just after the French Revolution. So fascinating female entrepreneur. Um, but I'll also have lunch with my friends like but I need that downtime where no one's asking me questions no one is demanding anything you've got to find that balance in your life between being on and giving because as the head of a company that's what you're doing and then how long did it take you to, to figure that out um I actually figured that out a long time ago I figured that out when I was in retail that I needed, because I, I don't know, since I was two, I've been the one in charge. I've always been the one in charge. I was in charge in college. I was in charge in high school. I was the one that made all the decisions. And so I learned, early, I learned in my early 20s that I needed that time in the middle of the day to not be in charge and to do for me. So I really, I protect that. No, that, that's worse to live by because we constantly have this conversation about is can we have it all or what's the balance? And I'm like you. I think if it's not planned, if it's not on a schedule, it's not going to get done. Oh, it's not happening. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm not one of those people who can say, oh, I need to do this today and that. If I don't see it, if it's not on my checklist, it's going to fall through the cracks. Even, even talking to my friends, I literally will write out their names, those who I need to contact mm -hmm. <laughs> for the day, which probably does not sound like fun to most people, but that's how I thrive. I'm, I'm very strong. Structured. You sound like you're very structured too. Um, yeah, it just makes me the better me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll tell you what I did when we um, moved into our new offices in June. 
I took one wall in every office and we painted it white. And then there is a clear coat that you can put on over paint that makes your wall a ride on wipe off board. So there is one wall in every room in my office that is a ride on wipe off board. And it has all of my lists on it. It has everything that needs to be done. You know, we can write in different colors. That is huge for us. I love that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you can do that. I know about chalk, but I didn't know about like dry erase. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Dry erase is way better than chalk. And um, yeah, I love it. It has made an enormous difference. Wow. Okay. So now that you guys have heard how she does it (laughs) and know a little bit more. I'm so glad that we talked a little bit about that hard conversation, which why I want to, I want to find a way to make these conversations about money. Not so hard. I wish that it was as embedded in our DNA as a lot of the other things we worry about, uh, as far as self-care, because peace of mind comes when there's money in your pocket, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to make sure that all the resources, which is why I'm glad you're on the show. Uh, I want to make sure as many of you guys pick up, uh, the series of books as possible, because I think it's important that we know that blueprint, you know, it's a small, also quick read, six key numbers. And that's something we all need. And it, I don't think you would need, you have to have necessarily a, a big business to do, to listen to that and, and gain from it. No, so or read it any size. It. Yeah, you really do. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that we try so hard to do in our company. We are completely non-judgmental. I promise you, we have seen worse. <laughs> if you owe the IRS less than $750,000, I promise you, we've seen worse. Okay. If you have less than $100,000 worth of credit card debt, I promise you, we've seen worse. Like, yeah. you wouldn't believe what we've seen. So we're not alone. Oh, my gosh. And... <laughs> Absolutely. I... I had a client at one point, I walked in and um, started talking to them. They had, and I write about this in my book, and now all of a sudden I can't remember how many employees they had, but it was somewhere between 25 and 50 employees. And they were, I think, on about a $5 million run rate. And um, they didn't have any accounting software. Whoa. I mean, it went, there, there were four partners and it went something like this. Hey, Joe, have you written any checks you, that haven't cleared yet? <laughs> Did you write anything? Do we have anything? Wow. Oh, yeah, it looks like we can make payroll. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we've got to change this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so I promise we've seen, we've seen worse. So we're completely non-judgmental. And we're all about kitchen table English. I'm not going to use big words so you don't understand because that doesn't get anybody anywhere. Your numbers aren't intimidating. They're your friends. So let's explain them in a way that you can understand because everybody can understand. No, I'm a soul. So when is the next profit plan workshop? Do you know yet? (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Next profit plan. um, So we're, we don't do profit plan workshops. Profit plans, if you want a profit plan, you call us and we do those individually one-on-one. Our next vision plan weekend, I think, is in May. I'm pretty sure it's in May. Well, you have to definitely let me know so I can add it to our newsletter uh, and put it out there for folks when you open up registration. Because I think, 
uh, listening to you, the more I'm listening to you and, and you talk about the things that we all sometimes don't want to talk of, myself included, I, I think it's important that we start having more fun, I guess, lively, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> uh, meetups or, or, or opportunities to have these conversations and know that you're not alone. Because I think that's a lot of the shame or the trepidation comes from thinking you're the only one. There is. And when we do, and we do a number of different weekends, we do one about pricing, we do the vision plan, and all of a sudden, because I'm sitting here, I can't remember our other ones. But um, one of the things that we do is we make sure that everybody signs a non-disclosure agreement when they walk in. Love it. Which enables you, so what that means is what's said in the room stays in the room. And no one is going to tell your secrets. And it just lets everybody open up and be honest. And that is huge. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Brooke, you definitely get it. And I definitely, I want everybody, not only do they know that you're a powerhouse and you are an extremely intelligent woman, but I want them to know a little bit more about your personality. So I have a couple of fun questions uh-huh. uh, just based off conversations we've had that I think people will love. So number one, this is near and dear to my heart. What is your favorite cocktail? Oh my gosh, champagne. Oh, yeah. I had a feeling that would be it. No question. <laughs> Are you a rosé, brute? What's your favorite? I um, am a Blanc de Blanc girl. Okay, so that ex- so guys, this definitely explains what you're currently reading. So <laughs> <laughs> it does. Though interestingly, I do not like Veuve Clicquot. It is not my really? preferred champagne. No. Um, What's your favorite? What's your preferred? Well, I have a number. I like the Schramsberg Blanc de Blanc, which is technically a sparkling wine. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the wine that Nixon used to open up China. Oh, okay. So it's a fabulous sparkling wine, not champagne. Um, I really like uh, the Bollinger. Okay. Which is what Queen Elizabeth drinks. And it's wonderful. Um. So, you know, I'll drink, I, I drink um, a number, but those are kind of my favorites. Those are the ones, those are my go-to most of so the time. So a lot of history. So it's, it's not all fun and games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sh- uh, Champagne tends to have a lot of history. There aren't a ton of houses. And, yeah. um, and there's some smaller ones. Um, there's one that I like a lot, and it was the guy who actually was running Veuve Clicquot. And he went home to his family's vineyard and really revamped them. And they are truly coming into their own as a, as a champagne house. And I like that story. I like to know why people do the things they do. Oh, yeah. So it makes it so much more personal. Oh, yeah. So and, and I know you like to travel. What's your favorite place to travel? Um, anywhere that involves an airplane. I am one of those weird people. I love being on airplanes. Um, You know, I've done London a lot recently. I think, though, that what I really like is going to those places that are unexpected. So I went to Greece about a year and a half ago, and I was traveling with a friend, and they wanted to go to this beach. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And it was in a palm forest, and it was the only palm forest in... Um, Europe and so you're driving through we drove over this mountain thought I was going to die 
drive over this mountain, you get down to the bottom of the mountain, you are in a date palm forest, and all of a sudden it opens up and there's this gorgeous beach. Like literally the date palms run right up to the edge of the beach. Um, or I was in China and we went to Western China in the Sahara Desert to see these cave paintings. I'm like, seriously? What are we doing? We walked in, most gorgeous things I'd ever seen. Wow. And I just love that surprise and that wonder and the unexpected. So you work hard and you play hard. So what, it, what hashtag, if you had to create a hashtag that describes who you are and where you are right now, what would it be? You know, the first one I think of is for my company and it's profitability. I don't care what your revenues are. I have people that are like, I've got a $3 million company. Well, goody two shoes for you. You're spending <laughs> $3.1 million. Yes. Okay. I would so much rather ha- work with someone or personally have a company that does $500,000 a year in revenue and has $200,000 a year in profit mm-hmm. than $3 million in revenue and negative 100000 in profit. So my hashtag would be profitable. I love it. So, and my last question about your fun side is what's your current theme song? What's, what's getting you up and making you feel like however you want to feel? All right. Current theme song is hard. Um, I can't even, I mean, wow. Let me see. Let me answer it in a different way. Um, how about telling you what my current Pandora radio station is? Okay, I like that. Does that work? Yeah, yeah. Um, my current Pandora radio station, hold on, you know, I have to click on it, um, <laughs> is Squeeze. Do you know about Squeeze? No. Oh my God, awesome 80s band. Okay. Best album ever, singles 45 and under is what it's called. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of doing that 80s music. So if you ask me for, like, one song, the thing that pops to mind is um, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. You know that song? I think Clinton used it in his campaign. Okay. Um, but yeah, 80s music, kind of that 80s alternative rock. Squeeze. Check them out. Love it. Yeah. No, and I love it because I, I, I kind of told you earlier, I'm digging a, a few different things and I just thought about it too. I'm like, if I have a theme song, like if you're going to talk about just music right now, I'm loving uh, Miguel's new whole album uh, just because it gives me that 90 nostalgia feel and it's really romantic and I love Miguel. But when I think about what still motivates me and gets me that like get up girl, get it done, I'm still really liking Beyonce's formation even two or three years later. Just because when I think about what we're doing right now as women, I feel like we are coming together. We are pulling our resources and motivating and doing things that we hadn't. It's not that we hadn't done before, but we're making it more of a priority and we're being unapologetic about it. Yeah. Um, and I and I love it. I mean, look at us. We're talking right now. I didn't know anything about Cathedral Capital, <laughs> you know, this time last year, but I'm so glad I do now. Uh, and, and to know another woman who is owning her space and creating 
uh, resources for us women. And I know your company isn't just geared toward women, but it's glad I'm glad to know that there's something here in Texas, yeah. just a few miles down the road in good old North Texas yeah, uh, to help me along this journey and to help this tribe. So I'm excited uh, to connect you with the audience. Where can they find you? They can find us at cathcap.com. So C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I don't know how much we tweet. Uh, at CathCapCFO. <laughs> okay. And coming soon, this month, we're going to be on Instagram. That's been um, a big conversation with us. Sarah, my marketing assistant who was absolutely fabulous from day yeah, one like is. we need to be on instagram and i'm like what are we gonna post photographs of spreadsheets like, <laughs> this is not interesting and she has really worked on me for about a year to say you know instagram is really a great place for us to be so this month we are launching on instagram and i have no idea how to find us well, I will definitely, I'm sure Sarah will let me know and I can't wait to follow you guys. I'm sure she has some creative ideas and everything, you know, it's so funny. Like you just said, you started out saying, we all think we don't have anything to give, you know, something we're good at is no big deal, but it is a big deal. It's a big deal yes. that more people who are money folks are out there front and center, especially women, so that we know when that time comes who to call on. Most people don't call because they don't even know who and they don't know where to start. Yeah. So that's amazing. Kudos well, to Sarah for pushing you. I know. Sarah's great. <laughs> and it really just owning your passion. Like, this is my passion. Helping entrepreneurs become more successful. Mm-hmm. However they define success. You know, when I started this business, I said, here's the deal. I'm going to work four days a week or three weeks a month because travel is my passion. Um, I also had certain income levels that I wanted. But I've had clients come to me, and it's not about making more money. It's about finding that balance and that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And that's where they find their profit, and that's great. And I want to help people do that, and I love doing that. And it is a huge win for us when, you know, I had a client one day, or at one point, that wanted to go to swim lessons every Wednesday morning. And when we organized her business so that she could go to swim lessons with her toddler every Wednesday morning, like, she was so happy. So, you know, find your passion and indulge it. Oh, those are words to live by. Okay, I I think we got the name for this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Brooke, I can't thank you enough. I'm so excited that we connected. And I am wishing you so much success in 2018, more than you can even imagine for yourself. Um, and I, I want to stay connected. And if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. I can't thank you enough for sharing your time with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I love talking to people about what we do. Yeah. It's just fun. Oh yeah. And so guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you learned a thing or two or three. And if you like what you're hearing, please continue to share it with your audience. Please continue to subscribe. And if you really like what we're doing, be sure and review. We are growing, and every week I'm loving your feedback. And if you really want to continue to hear Brunch and Slay commercial-free, be sure to support us. There's a link in the show notes. You can support Brunch and Slay uh, in, in many ways. So we look forward to seeing you again. And until next time, I'm Amira. Bye.